Firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. Well, you know what I did last week? I unplugged. Yes. Okay, who's kidding who? I didn't 100% unplug, but I unplugged. I, I I didn't take meetings. I I wasn't on my computer a ton. And uh, it was so good. I read. I watched movies. I hung out with my fella, my husband. And that was, um, yeah, it was really good. It was a really good recharge. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, there's this thing that happens, I, maybe there's a word for it, if you know it, please let me know, of what happens when you go from a holiday and then you realize that because you've taken that holiday, you have a ton of work to do because you kind of avoided it for seven days. So that's where I am right now. I'm in a zone of like, oh man, I got a lot to catch up on, but it was worth it. It was worth it. Are you able to unplug? I go from like, 60 to zero. I really do. Like, there's no problem with me stopping work. Some people have a hard time, like, just sort of disengaging, but I have no problem. I worked on collages. It was great. What about you? Are you unplugging this summer? Are you able to? Is it hard to get back into the groove? Like, are you sort of like, oh, I don't want to get back into the groove? Or do you sort of jump in? Like, I'm excited. I'm excited this week. I feel recharged and I want to get back into, you know, the work and the firecracker stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm excited. I sure love you all. I sure love this firecracker department community. And speaking of, here's a wonderful shout out from Lara Margaret Margerison. Hi, I'm Lara Margaret Margerison, artist, author, painter, poet, sometimes photographer, and member of the Firecracker Writing Department. And today I'd like to shout out my fellow firecracker, Amelia Copeland, British actor, model, filmmaker, writer, poet, mental health advocate, and fierce and fabulous woman. We met through the Firecracker Department writing room. Amelia brings irreverence and wit and passion and poetry, and she makes me strive to be better at my own craft. She inspires me probably more than she has any awareness of. And so I really wanted to take a moment today to just send her some extra special love and light and bliss and blessings uh, over the airwaves. You can find her at ameliacopeland.com, which is E-M-I-L-I-A-C-O-P-E-L-A-N-D.com or Insana Socks on Instagram, which is at I-N-S-A-N-I-N-O-X. She's a firecracker. Find her. Oh, thanks, Lara, and thanks, Amelia. I absolutely agree. Amelia is one of a kind, and not only are we lucky to have her in the greater community, we are so lucky to have Amelia involved in um, things like our mentorship department team and just an overall supporter of what we're doing. Mm, I love these shout-outs. Hey, if you have a shout out for a firecracker in your world, send a short voice memo to firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. Make sure you include your name and the handles of the firecracker you're shouting out so that we can find out more about them. I sure love those shout outs. So keep them coming. Okay, our guest on the show this week is director, writer, producer, TV personality, Assis Sethi. Not only is Assis 
one of our core members, but she's also part of the Real Women's Network, which is amazing, and it is a beautiful partnership that Firecrack Department supports. So not only is Assis an incredible creator and such a brilliant brain and brings such an amazing perspective to not only our digital team, but just the overall Firecracker Department community. And I have to say, we are so lucky to have her on the team. She works so hard and does it with such joy and such, um, you know, some people, they work hard and they're like, oh my God, I'm working so hard. No, Assis is just like, I work so hard and I love what I get to do. And I love that about her. Assis was named one of Playback Magazine's 10 to Watch, which was huge in 2020. Uh, she's not only a positive, energetic television personality, because Assis started her career as a reporter on Omni Television here in Canada, uh, she quickly became a co-host and title host of Tuned In with Assis Sethi. Aside from her extensive TV experience, Assis has directed, written, and produced a ton of independent projects, including The Colorful Crown, a documentary film based on the effects of 9-11 on turban wearers in Canada, which screened at film festivals and aired on national TV. It's incredible. She's incredible. She is also the writer and director of the 16-episode docuseries Darshan Dekjiva, in which she flew to India herself to write, shoot, and edit the series with her own equipment. That's how committed she is. And she explored over 80 historical Sikh shrines. Amazing, right? Assis' most recent work includes producing and directing a three-episode television series called Welcome to Canada, which highlights real-life stories told by Canadian immigrants. And she also founded Flyaway Films, a film company focusing on issues women and communities face that promote a cross-cultural understanding. She's a firecracker, right? Listen to these credits. Her most recent film, titled A Bloody Mess, focuses on the taboo surrounding menstruation in the South Asian community living outside of India, with a specific goal of encouraging conversation to normalize menstruation. It has been screened at over 26 film festivals worldwide. She's won awards internationally, and this film is available right now on Real Women's Network. See what I did there? I brought it all back. Now, right now, Assis is preparing two more short films for release, shooting three music videos, developing a feature sports drama, and somehow, somehow, still has time to talk and work with us. I mean, it really did surprise me that while we were having this discussion, she wasn't like talking to me, but also writing with one hand and maybe making dinner with her feet. I don't know. I have such huge respect for her and for her work and what material and content she's putting out there. I really encourage you after you listen to this discussion to go and follow up and find out more about her work. All right. Well, I'm excited to share this chat with you. Here we go. Here's my conversation with Assis Sethi. This is so fun for me to have these chats with uh, our core members. And you're sort of one of our newer core members that we are sort of finding. Yeah, like a finding how we will, I don't know, envelop you into the community. <laughs> but it's my favorite thing because I'm such a fan of every single one of the core members. And then I get to dive a little bit deeper. I look at your life and I think you and I have very similar attacks on the world. And I think you're a doer. You're not somebody to sit back and let things be done for you. You're a doer and were you always like that is a kid were you like yeah that? I think my uh, our parents my sister and I have been trained that way by my parents my dad was always like do this yeah. do this like you will not believe yeah. it I still recall that time when I was 
I think 15 or 16. And we used to have a grand caravan. It was red. And um, what the tire, one of the tires went flat. And this was on Albion Road in the middle of like uh, the road, right? So he's like, instead of calling CAA, he has CAA, he has everything, right? He'll be like, no, Assis, come here. Mm-hmm. It's time for you to learn. Get that tire from the back. So my sister oh. and I, my sister is four years younger than me. So she's like 11, 12. I'm like 15, 16. And, and we're like <laughs> grabbing the tire. He's telling us what to do. He just stands back, right? He's just standing with like his hands uh, crossed. And yeah. he's like, okay, now you take those tools and you start, uh, <laughs> you start changing the tire. So he yeah. took us step by step. And in the middle of the road, like there are strangers walking by giving my dad dirty looks oh my god this man here who is like it's child making his children but you know I am so thankful for that day I realized much later in life that it was if it wasn't for him at that time you know I would never know how to change a tire and now I know that even if I'm stranded somewhere and I have a flat tire I've always been able to do it myself so and then you know we realized these things much later in life at that point at that time I was like so embarrassed look Papa everyone around us is staring at you but I think they my parents trained us that way Mm -hmm. that you know if you don't know anything learn it and do it your you know yourself like that's how he has always been Mm -hmm. he's been you know he's been Mm -hmm. such a huge fan of sports and stuff a lot of um I'm sure you know, you know, a lot of parents, when your child says you don't want to be like a doctor, engineer, lawyer kind of category, you want to be in arts, or you want to do something that people don't do, or Mm -hmm. there's no secure future, right? So my parents were the total Mm -hmm. opposite, especially my dad, my dad's dream was that (laughs) either my sister Armin, or I would hopefully end up uh, at the Olympics, you know, he wanted us to like, I grew up playing tennis and basketball and baseball, he would put us in every single Mm -hmm. sports. And um, we grew up in New York. So I was part of the basketball team, the tennis team. And at that time, they used to have um, US Open for juniors. So my sister, and I would always participate, right? And he would be like, let's go, let's go, you have to do this, you have to be in this. I'm like, Oh, my God. (laughs) So we grew up very in like in an environment where um athlete uh being an athlete was an option or being a filmmaker was an option and when I told my dad I want to make films he's like he was the happiest person on earth he's like yes what do you need (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing he was also happy when my sister said dad I want to be a lawyer he's like oh okay yeah that's great too <laughs> he was like the opposite. Yeah. Whereas my mom is like, oh yeah. yes, lawyer, secure future. Oh my god, an artist? I don't know, Cease. Can you rethink? <laughs> Do you want to teach maybe? <laughs> yes. So my mom uh, was a teacher herself. She and then my grandma, my mom's uh. mom, was also a teacher, and she was actually a principal, right? She was uh, in charge of like the only school we they had back home in India in Punjab at that time in that area, and she was so well known in her community there she was the only working woman in her time my grandmother and she was the kind of person who went house to house on every street and brought girls to school right like she was told her their parents no she has to study she has to get an education right and if that girl was going to school and she didn't 
show up one day to class. She would leave school, go to her house. Why are you not in class today? Wow. That's the kind of person she was. So she, everyone yeah. used to say that, you know, she raised all the girls in that village. And my mom grew up with the same, uh, same thing, right? She, she loves teaching mm-hmm. and she has been a huge, I think if it wasn't for her, my, uh, me and my sister, we both would, I don't know, we, we would probably didn't give, uh, a lot of emphasis on education. If it wasn't for her, she was like, no, learn, 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 you know? And even to this mm-hmm. day, um, I'm in my late thirties and I'm still learning. So <laughs> I still love to like learn new things. Yeah. Right. And that's something that yeah. has been ingrained into us uh, and I think uh, it's a huge um, thank you to my parents <laughs> because if it wasn't for them we, we wouldn't yeah. be where we are. Yeah I can definitely see that with your life and the various projects that you choose to be committed to like that you you have a you have a passion for learning you have a passion I'm sure that you came across going oh, I want to make films oh wait a second I want to start a magazine (laughs) oh how do I learn how to do that and you you sort of have the curiosity that um you know my my grandmother also spoke about that my grandmother lived to be 105 and uh she originally studied to be a medical Mm -hmm. doctor which was absolutely unheard of at her time and then when she uh escaped Lithuania to Germany into Canada they didn't uh they didn't she didn't have her papers for being a medical doctor so she had to study to become a veterinarian because it was a quicker mm-hmm. education. So she was a wow. veterinarian, what, which again, um, yeah, amazing for her generation. But uh, now did that ever, I mean, I think now as an adult, as you say, like it's a huge thank you. Uh, but looking back, was there ever a time that you're like, okay, enough, I don't need to be, I don't need to learn how to make, do attire and, and do all the things I want to be a kid. Did you ever have oh, that all back? the time? Every single day. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there were times when I was like, Mom, Dad, why do you make us do this? I'm tired. I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like my dad would yeah. uh, this was like a routine on Saturdays and Sundays. Every morning he would they would wake us up at four or five AM in the morning. And this was like a non-school day where we should be sleeping oh in. They would my this was my dad, yeah. not my mom. My mom's like, okay, let them sleep in a little bit. So <laughs> Yeah, so because it's also because my dad's dad, my grandfather, it was in the um, Air Force, right, in India. So he's very strict on like rules and regulations of the house and discipline and waking up at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. So with my father, he would wake us up at 4 or 5 a.m. He would get us ready. We would jog to the park, which was like at least 10 kilometers away. And there used to be a tennis court. So from 5 a.m. to like 10 a.m., we would play, play, play nonstop. And he was so good at tennis, he would make us run. He was he oh. would make us run on purpose. Come on, let's yeah. go, let's go. Why are you getting time? I'm like, Dad, I'm tired. You're tired? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Give me push-ups. You know, he's, he was that kind of person. Yeah. And I'm so glad. That, like at that yeah. time, we used to be like, oh my God, what is this? Right. I can't deal with this. Yeah. But now I realize, you know, I can play tennis. I, I'm still active. I still have that dance routine mm-hmm. in my life. I have all these routines, and it's because of him. Right. And I mm-hmm. actually now thank him because if he hadn't been 
that way if he hadn't put that discipline in our lives where we have to learn we have to be active and I don't think like I I probably wouldn't be doing so much that I do today Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean that's such a wild I'm sure like from the outset people are being like leave those kids alone like (laughs) let them just sleep um, and you, and this was all, was this all in New York? I didn't know you yes. were born in New York. No, I was born in India, but I was in grade one when I moved to Dubai. And then I was in grade four. Uh, well, I was in grade five when we moved to New York. And then I was in grade 10 when we moved here. So we've yeah. been moving all our lives. <laughs> it's because of my dad's job. All oh, right. What kind of work did he do? At the time, he used to work for a bank and um, he used to look, um, I'm not sure exactly what he used, what his job was, but he was always transferred from one branch to the other, to the other, to set up that branch, get the branches going and stuff, right. and then to New York, and then finally to Canada, <laughs> where we said, okay, we're not moving wow. anymore. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think that, what do you think that did to you as an artist, like having... You know, like being born in India so that you have those roots, but then you were brought up for such a huge chunk of your life in New York. So now you're sort of, you know, quote unquote, uh, American, because that's in your in your world as well. And then Canadian in your last part of your life. Like, what do you think that's done as an artist to your to your journey? I think it's it. it I think it was really good for my journey, honestly speaking, because when I grew up in, in India, India is like very different world from Canada or from New York or from Dubai right and then when we went to Dubai there that's a different world altogether so I got to learn so much about so many other communities about other worlds about other people um, their cultures and Mm -hmm. I think when I look back at those times I still have really nice memories you know of um spending time with my family as well no matter where we were that quality time and all the all Mm -hmm. of that I think has always inspired me within my artistic um field and I think it's great that Mm -hmm. I was I got that exposure I got to learn so much more about other cultures about you know living in Canada is so much different from living in Queens New York right like so I you know I and if someone asked me would I go back to New York and live there I don't think I'd be able to I'm so used to the life here now that it would be so hard to adapt it whereas if you ask my sister she'd be like any day I'll move to New York any day right (laughs) because she loved it so much so I think it's great that we got to experience all these different um cities and uh, different people and it was so nice to just learn about our surroundings and it always influences you as an and and it inspires you as an artist yes yeah yeah I mean I think it's interesting because I think I I watched this with my mother a lot because my mother was uh, born in England and then moved to Canada and so she no longer felt connected to her British community because she'd lived in Canada so long. And yet she wasn't really connected to her Canadian community because she was always British. Like she had a British accent and that Mm -hmm. was her upbringing. So there was always this sort of, I don't know, an interesting friction almost of like, where's my community? Did you find that living through all those different communities? had that much earlier in life uh, when we had recently moved to Canada but Mm. because we've been here for almost 20 years 20 yeah 20 21 years that I 
I've forgotten yeah. about it. Now I'm so used to living here and used yeah. to everything here that I don't think I I have that in me anymore. But earlier, if you asked me like 15 mm -hmm. years ago, oh, for sure. I was like, where am I? Where do I belong, right? Where am I going next? Yeah. So at that yeah. time, I did have so many questions. And I there was a time I remember in, my, in New York, especially, I was so attached to a few of my friends who were like my best friends, right? So when we were moving here, I remember my sister and I were crying so much. I'm like, we don't want to go. And then, uh, yeah. And then, yeah. but my parents always considered that, you know, we had our own friends here and there. So they would always take us back to New York so that I could spend some time with my friends. And then he even would talk mm -hmm. to my friend's parents and say, uh, you know, can you guys come over? And then they came over to um, Toronto and visit us. So we kept that bond going. He never let that go, despite, you know, we moved yeah. countries and stuff. So that's something that I always admired. And I realized yeah. later in life, you know, whatever they did, it was because of us it, it was for us and not himself mm -hmm. so I you know there are many reasons yeah. which I found out later and then I'm like you know what we're so thankful you always thought about your kids first and I and even today like yeah I have two daughters of my own but they know like for example this weekend I'm going to be shooting two music videos and they know I will not be home from Friday to Monday my mom has made sure that her house is ready she has all these activities <laughs> planned for them and you know the kids will be there they'll be taking care of them she's a working woman she has uh, she is um an accountant for the brick right so she is right. always busy and my dad is always busy with his work as well so but they will always make time if I say dad I have a shoot tomorrow can you take a day off he will call in sick to take a day off my mom will call in sick to wow. take a day off just to support me and my career right they've been like my dad's dream my dad still asks me so Asisa when are you heading to the Oscars I'm like don't worry dad soon <laughs> right so they've always yeah I'll yeah. see you there dad <laughs> so you know we've always had that and they always understand uh, how difficult it can be for me so I don't think I would have been able to do anything without their support or mm -hmm. my sister's support, who's actually an, a lawyer. She's a crown for the uh, region of Waterloo. So I don't even know how she makes time for the magazine and her daughter and my daughters. And she also helps me on set on my own film. So <laughs> a huge shout out to my sister too. Wow. Yeah. So I think if it's not if yeah. I don't have that support from my husband, my family and everyone else, if I don't have that yes. support, um, I don't think I would have ever been able to do it because this industry is so difficult and it's so challenging for as a woman yeah. to be in this industry and survive. You know, first of all, you're a woman. So that's always a hard thing. Um and then you're brown. That's another thing right there. And then you have kids. So it's like, yeah. oh my God, how do I fit in? Right. How yeah. do I make time? It's a demanding industry, right? You're yeah. So it's yeah. Like, tell me more about the challenges. Like, I feel like that's something, you know, everybody faces challenges as in their careers. But then when you're talking about being a woman, being a mother, being brown, like, tell me how you faced those challenges. Um, I hear that you've got support. I get that you can turn to your family and go, oh, this is really hard. And they'll say, yeah, keep going. Yeah. And I also think that you've got like some Assis um, magic in you to keep going. So tell me about the challenges that you've faced along the way. 
think the biggest challenge is when you have two kids who are very young and all of a sudden, you know, you're shooting tomorrow, you cannot take a day off and your kid, one of your kids get sick and uh, they're sent home from school. So mm-hmm. now you're stuck. Am I going to be a mother? Or am I going to continue my career? So I've had those challenging yeah. stages in my life, a lot of them actually. Um, and at those times, it's it's so difficult to make a decision. You have to, as a mother, you your child needs you, yeah. right? They want to just stay in your arms. They want to be yeah. hugged and they want to be spending time with you. So how do you make sure that you also do that? And then you're also not, you, you can't call, call in sick when you're directing, right? It's, it's just very different. So no. I've had those situations and uh, I think somehow I was able to manage it magically, honestly. I don't even know, somehow the universe just comes out to help me every time. But like, for example, yeah, this yeah, whole yeah. week, um, my kids have not been sleeping well at night and I haven't had any sleep all week long. And this weekend is so big for me in terms of um, the amount of work I need to do. So I'm just in yeah. in a state where <laughs> it's hard to explain, honestly speaking, because, you know, I, I still have those feelings where I, I am always a mother first. For me, my kids always come first and I have been awake mm-hmm every night because they can't fall asleep or they're scared or they had a bad dream or you know they there's always something that happens yeah, exactly <laughs> so right now I'm like even yeah. sitting here I'm like oh my god I wish that you know if they were in school they, they're at home today they wanted to spend time with me they didn't go to summer camp today so we're like okay we'll we'll spend some quality time and my husband has a day off too so Thursdays are his day off so Thursdays and Sundays are like kids day yeah <laughs> so I'm just you know yeah. I I'm in my mind in the back of my head like right now what I did to for an hour I gave them some arts and crafts they have some activities they're working on so I said surprise me I'll come back in an hour mm-hmm. I want you to make something out of all these materials that I've given you and they love arts and crafts which yeah. is great it works so well for me yeah. so um less time on tv <laughs> but um yeah I think somehow yeah, yeah. You, it just happens I think things just work out the universe always helps in a way where things just magically work out. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like, um, I mean, did that kind of propel your journey as an artist to tell these stories about the challenges that you faced? Like I've, I've watched some of your work and I see, I see exactly what we're talking about in your work. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, people talk about their journey and then their actual work is, is quite removed from it, but I see it very, a very clear connection. Do you think that that propelled yeah, you? Yeah, I think everything that I've written or directed, it's all from my own experiences. And I think the only mm-hmm. way I can tell a true story, a, a story that's very, uh, very true and honest in itself is if I am close to that story. If I've experienced it, if I've experienced it, then, mm-hmm. you know, who better uh, to tell that story than me? So all of my films that I've made, they've been inspired from my, either my life or my sister's lives or my friend's lives or something that I've experienced. For example, a bloody mess, which talks about um, menstruation. Yeah. Uh earlier we thought you know maybe it could be a documentary or something but we're like you know what no 
it has to be um, a dramatic film, a live action dramatic film, because when we look at our audience for South Asians, they're not into docs. They're more into like films. So I wanted to make a film which can, mm -hmm. w the message of that film is just, you know, start normalizing conversations surrounding menstruation in the community. It is, yes. no it kidding. is so frustrating that, you know, even for example, yeah. if I had, if any woman is to in today's day as well, calling in sick because she's menstruating or she's on her period, they'll never say, uh, I'm on my period, so I can't come. They'll always say, I need to call in sick, right? And why? why yeah, if right, we, right. And it's 50% of the, the population right? for Oh my God, sake. yes. And it's so frustrating that yeah. I, if I'm sitting in at a party or something and I can't just, I can't ask for a pad loudly, hey, do you have a pad? I think I got my period. Why yeah. can't I do that? You yeah, know, it's right. natural. I want to say it. So, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's why we may. I know it's. I loved that film. I have to say also, like, uh, I, it might be, like, I was thinking it was a generational thing. And then seeing the film that you made, Bloody Mess, I was like, no, I think this is still going on in some families. And it blows my mind. I watched this great documentary called uh, Pandora's Box. And um, it was talking about how, exactly yeah. what you're saying, like, why do we have to talk about it in hushed tones <laughs> when most, like a large population has their period? Like, I think go, this goes back to the support that you have of your family, right? Because right? you having this kind of voice to tell that story, it's bold. I think that you're a bold per yeah. artist because even having something like that to tell comes from a place of saying like, yeah, tell that story, tell that story. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I wonder, like, I'm curious about the time that you chose to go into the arts because you're like, I gotta tell some stories. Do you remember that moment where you're like, this is how my, my stories will be told? Yeah, I remember. Um, I think I so I grew up watching a lot of um, Indian cinema, Bollywood films that a lot of people say. So uh, yeah. I love the song and dance. And when I was a kid, I used to like imitate them mm -hmm. and act and stuff. And I told my parents, I want to be an actress. Right. And my <laughs> dad's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I love that idea. My mom's like, uh, are you sure about this? <laughs> So, <laughs> and for like many years when I was young, I, I would be like, oh, I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to be a Bollywood star one day. And, um, yeah. but when I started, I think it was my, my father and my uncle who used to live with us in New York at that time. And um, he had a love for films, right? He was so intrigued about how to make a film. And he had knowledge about how films were made and all of that. And when I, he used to tell me some fascinating things about, you know, do you know how this scene was cut? Do you know how this scene was shot? And as, as I heard all of that, oh. that inspired me to be behind the camera more than in front of the camera. So I'm like, oh, I want a camera. I want to do this, right? So <laughs> so my dad got, got like a, one of those little camcorders and stuff for the family. So we would shoot, like we would imitate Bollywood scenes and shoot those. I would always make my... Yeah. Yes. dad the villain and um my dad yeah <laughs> he has a turban right so 
in a lot of uh, Bollywood films, like a lot of villains had like long hair. So we would say, hey, why don't you do open your hair? And so, right? yeah. so we would make, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. like we would make him the villain. Oh my God. And then uh, get the fan going. Oh, yeah. There's always the part where the hair is like going with the fan that I love oh, so the much. Oh, the slow-mo shots. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, I think that all of that, from my childhood inspired the art in me and telling stories because mm-hmm. my parents struggled a lot in their life as well when they moved like when we moved to New York um, you know it, it makes me emotional thinking of the amount of struggle that they've gone through um, I, I still remember that day you know those days when my parents they brought a bunk bed for me and my sister because we loved bunk beds and we were financially mm-hmm. we were not that stable at that time because we were new in New York it was it took us a while to get used to um, the way things were in New York it's very different from India or Dubai it's not the same at all yeah. and um, we had no furniture at home we had one, a dining table and we had a tv and this was a two-bedroom uh, apartment that we used to rent, where we had rats come in every other day and cockroaches. And this mm. was Queens, New York, right? Where do you find a clean apartment? Yeah. <laughs> and then we started off living in a basement uh, that was rented, and it, we would have floods every day in the basement, every day. So we would they would be cleaning the basement, and we had no furniture. The first piece of furniture after the dining table and that... Um, TV was a bunk bed for my sister and I. My parents used to sleep on the floor. They would just have a blanket under them and they would just sleep there, you know? And my sister and I didn't realize all of this at that time, you know, Mm -hmm. the amount of um, struggle they went through. But as we grew up, we realized, you know, I wanted a camera. They didn't get anything for themselves. They didn't get a bed for themselves, mm-hmm. but they decided to get a camera for me so that I can keep my passion going. And just thinking about those moments makes me so emotional. Oh, me too. Oh my God, Aziz. What a beautiful. So this is just one of the stories of like, of like many, many stories. So, and it never ended, right? They, yeah. They're so they're always think about thinking about everyone else and they'll never think about themselves that's the kind of you know um humans they are so uh yeah so no pressure on you huh no there's nothing to live up to there that's why i'm like i better get that oscar and my dad better be with me on that stage (laughs) yes i mean is that is that what because i see your world and i see how many plates you spin uh, it's funny. I'll ask you the same question that people ask me because I think you and I are similar. We like to we like to spin a lot of plates. We like to get involved in yeah. things. But what what motivates you to um, give up sleep and give up time to pursue these things? What what's your motivation behind that? There are many motivations. One is um, my parents struggle. Second is my two daughters, uh, because I want to be an example for them, right? I want them to look at me and say, oh, we have all the freedom in the world to do what we want to do, what we want to be, right? I want them to grow Mm -hmm. up that way. And then third is myself. I love working. It just, it's something that keeps me energized, right? It's 
it just, see that. <laughs> it just makes me happy yeah. when I'm working and I'm creating something, especially because I love what I do, right? I, I don't think I would be this energized if I yes. was an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor. So yeah. that is the reason why I love making films. I love telling stories and I would do anything to keep, keep myself happy. And honestly, what keeps me going is my own happiness. I, I It's, you know, I am happy when I work at, till 3 a.m. in the morning because it just energizes me and it just I don't know there's something magical about mm -hmm. it I just love working in film I I don't think I would be doing the same I, I was doing get something it. I else see it. but it's just because I love what I do I, yeah. I don't look at it as work it's just almost like a hobby that I'm fulfilling every day and making myself happy by doing it yeah yeah and I see that so much with you like there's some people that see I don't know. I don't even know how to put this, but like they embrace the struggle of it more than they embrace the joy of it. Do yeah. you know, like when you say I'm shooting two music videos this weekend, you're not like, Oh, this is going to be hard. I don't know how I'm going to deal. My kids have to go to their grandparents. You're like, look what I'm doing. This is so fun. Like I see how much fun you're having in your life, even as challenging as it must be, because you are juggling. You're like the expert juggler in this circus. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I think, uh, yes, everything has challenges, right? No matter what you do. But I think if you look at the good parts of it, the positive side, it just helps move the journey forward, right? It helps you move forward and you stay mm -hmm. happy and you're not frustrated. If I would be frustrated, then why am I in that field? Why am I even doing what I'm doing, right? Yeah. So do something I else. I just, I just, yeah, yeah. I, I just it. look at it as a blessing. Honestly, I feel blessed and so fortunate that I am doing what I love to do. And there are many people who yeah. are not able yeah. to do that. So I take that. I don't want to take that for granted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And give your kids a couple more years. They'll be doing craft services and holding. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. They'll be right? the PAs on the set. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Do, do you feel like there's, um, like I see the work that you're doing and I see it also illuminating people from your, um, like stories from your community, mm -hmm. uh, like the Bollywood aspect. Has, is that a consistent story for you? Like, is there a story that you feel like you need to tell through your art, um, whether it's music video, magazine, writing, directing, acting, selling Hunt's Tomato? <laughs> uh, what do you think? Oh my God, you found out about Hunt's Tomatoes? <laughs> so... I mean, it's no slouch. I'm a fan of the Hunt's Tomato. <laughs> okay, awesome. That was my mom. Uh, so I used to work at Omni, right? And uh, we used to do, like, I was an on-camera yeah. person. So we d I did a lot of commercials and infomercials. There was okay. tuned in with a CCT that I, that I used to do as well. So uh, once mm -hmm. one of the clients uh, who was Hunt's Tomatoes approached us and said, hey, we're looking for a mother-daughter duo and we want to do like recipes and would your mom be interested? I'm like, let me ask my mom. She is the most camera shy person in the world. Mm -hmm. She hates being on camera. Uh, even if she has to take a picture, it's like, mom, can you just like smile? She'd be like, and, you know, she's yeah. the kind of person who does not yeah. come in front of the camera. And I remember on set <laughs> when we were making that the, our first day on set and I was like, mom, are you excited? And there are like 20 people in the crew just like staring at her. She's like, what did you do to me? Yeah. <laughs> Why did you do this? 
like, it's your birthday, you'll be fine. <laughs> but once she started looking. Oh my gosh, so brave. <laughs> I think it paid off when uh, she saw the response from the commercials and she would go into the grocery stores and there were like huge banners of her posing with the Hunt's tomatoes and stuff and her recipes so she's like yeah that's me you want to take a picture of me go ahead (laughs) (laughs) yeah it quickly changed yeah Yeah. so she's like oh I had a great experience (laughs) so I was actually quite surprised not a lot of people Mm -hmm. know about that Mm -hmm. and you actually found that that's amazing that's it I got some I got fact checkers I've got uh, 20 people that are researching this oh my god I don't I don't it's funny and I (laughs) um but no tell me about your story like tell me about the story that you want to tell through your art so my parents always told us you know um there will be times because you're an Indian woman that you will be challenged by your own society and your own extended family or friends where they'll say you guys are, you know, you're wearing these kind of clothes or you're eating this or you're, you know, you're dancing, you're, you have your own dance school. Oh my God, you're performing on stage wearing these costumes and stuff, right? They, and they said, we want you to speak up and tell them if you are happy uh, with what you're doing, say, hey, I'm doing this because it makes me happy. And that's a big enough reason, right? And especially when I realized that people around me, when I would be dancing on stage, you know, for in front of a thousand people and um, in our South Asian culture back in like 15 years ago, they'd be like, oh my God, these girls, they're, they're terrible girls, you know, they're not good examples. And if they had their own daughters, oh, you can't be friends with them, right? So when I saw that, like, it would hurt. I'm like, why can't I dance? Why can't I do this? Why can't I be playing tennis? Why do I have to be home making roti, you know? And I think all of those struggles and life experiences comes through my art or my films. For example, Mm -hmm. the next film that we're making is about um, postpartum depression. It's not a documentary. It's a drama, drama film. And that comes from experience from me and my sister. My first mm-hmm. pregnancy, I, um, I went in, I had baby blues. I went into, you know, I had PPD and it was so hard for me to deal with. And no one understood. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, it's just normal. Right. And people would just say in your community, it's just normal. It's because you're in pain. Your life has changed. It's normal. Don't worry about it. No one said it was PPD. I realized it after like so many years. It's not normal. It's PPD. So that's, and my sister as well, who recently gave birth, well, a year ago. Now her baby's over a year. um, And she also had Mm -hmm. went through baby blues and she wrote, um, this monologue, uh, you know, what she called me, she's like, I see, I'm sending this to you. And I read that monologue and I'm just like crying because I could relate to every little mm-hmm. thing she wrote in it. And I was so emotional. I called her and I said, are you okay, Armin? I am so sorry. Right. I, and then I went to her, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, you're going through all of this. And there's no one who's understanding. And I know how you feel 
because I went through it as well. Women naturally don't express their feelings so much, right? We keep fighting our feelings and we just keep saying, it'll be fine. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm strong. I'm brave. I can go through all of this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's okay. Let, let your feelings out. It's okay to tell everyone how I feel. It's okay. Yeah. You need to do that sometimes. And we had that moment in between each other uh, with, with us where we just like sat and we just cried and we said, we shared our stories with each other and we felt better. Mm-hmm. Right? And I told my, we told our mom, she's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this reminds me of my time as well. Right. So, and that monologue, right. we turned it into a script and it, actually is a very dark um, story that we're going to tell and it's I can't wait to shoot it we're shooting it this year Um, and when we heard the news um, a few months ago in California where a South Asian woman she died by suicide because she was suffering from uh, PPD no one in her family understood that she was suffering right and when we heard that we had goosebumps and we're like now we have to tell the story the community needs to know they need to talk Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. postpartum depression there's so many of these things that women go through and no one talks about it they will only talk to other women in their family but why are we not able to talk to the world about it why can't i talk to any, you know, anyone. That's something that always bothers me. And it bothers Mm -hmm. me so much that I'm like, I'm making a film right now. Write this, let's write this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then another thing. I get it. I get it. So I I think it's just um, our own life experiences, life experiences just inspire us to write these stories. The other short film that we, Mm -hmm. that I just finished editing is called Still, and it's on stillbirth. So that also comes from my own experience, even though I didn't have a stillbirth, but I was very close to having one. So uh, with my second pregnancy, mm-hmm. my pregnancy was so bad. Those nine months, like I had shingles. I was in the hospital every other day mm-hmm. on IV. I was struggling. And I found out from one of the hospital doctors told me that uh, as soon as I got pregnant, my immune system shut down. So I will keep getting sick for the rest of the pregnancy and there's a a high chance that it will be a stillbirth right so uh, one of the doctors also recommended that maybe I should um, you know abort the kid and when I talked to people everyone was like you know you because I was really struggling I could not eat anything for a month I was literally on a straw Um, I couldn't drink anything either like because it was all over my face the shingles and and my yeah. head my oh, face God. and I like if I, I I even took a selfie at that time which I don't show <laughs> because everyone gets scared but I remember all of that and yeah when I went into labor I had that feeling you know I'll end up um I might not have a a baby who's alive who I'll be able to hold and take home right I, I was going through that during my labor yeah. and but when I heard she actually didn't cry. Uh, she was my first, uh, even my first daughter, actually, they both didn't cry. You know how they say babies cry as soon as they come out. She did not yeah. She pooed inside me. That's different, but she <laughs> didn't cry. Ugh. So, yeah. and then yeah. I, 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 when I didn't hear anything, right. I didn't even hear, uh, or, ooh and stuff. I'm like, yes. is she alive? Is she alive? That's what was going in my mind. And, when they brought her mm-hmm. to me and I heard her and I saw her eyes open, I'm like, she's alive. 
<laughs> she's you know her heart is beating and I was like yeah. I'm so glad I did not listen to anyone I'm so glad I made this decision myself and mm-hmm. I was like yes you know so miracles do happen and I'm a huge believer in that and yeah. it's my short film it's called still it focuses on stillbirth mm-hmm. so again that's another mm-hmm. thing that no one talks about everyone talks about pregnancy and how beautiful pregnancy yeah. is how beautiful it is to have babies right. or how your life just turns upside down once you have kids but no one talks about what if you don't have a child what if you know you went through nine months of labor but at the last moment you realized you don't you didn't come back home with a child right with a baby what about that no one talks yeah. about it yeah, so I yeah. wanted to talk about that yeah and do you think that's even more extreme in the South Asian community as far as like the secrecy of, of the yeah. challenges that you've gone through as a, as a, as yeah. a woman, really, with the menstruation and stillbirth and postpartum? Yeah, it is. Um, it's even it's, worse. It is. It is very worse. I mean, see, when I look at my family, we're very open. Like, I always joke around with my, <laughs> this is so weird, I'm going to say this. <laughs> But it's like a running joke in my family when my parents are fighting. I'm like, <laughs> I just say to them, I'm like, mom and dad, you just need to go have sex, okay? And just don't bother me right now. <laughs> so we're just, we just do random stupid jokes with each other and we're all comfortable doing it. And we just have a laugh, right? Yeah. So, but when I look at yeah. like, maybe some of my friends' families, they would never be able to say that to their parents. They'd be like, are you crazy? No. So I would say in some yeah. families it doesn't happen, but in others it does. So it is something, th- th- these are mm-hmm. some issues that are very, um, that need to be highlighted in the South Asian community for sure. But I, when yeah. I look at my family, I'm like, they're fine. But when I look at a yeah. lot of other families, I'm like, okay, no, we definitely need to talk about this. This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's up to me. A cease needs to change the world. Does that... Does that hold weight on your shoulders? Uh, yes. My sister and I, um, we, she, she is, um, like I said, she's a crown at the region for the region of Waterloo and Kitchener. And she specializes in uh, criminology. So she deals with so many issues herself on a daily basis. She deals, she has over like 200 case mm-hmm. files every day that she deals with and every file is different. And sometimes it's so heartbreaking to see what happens and things that we never hear about in the news. Right. And when we both sit together, mm-hmm. we just think to ourselves, we talk, we always talk about issues that need to be dealt with and we're like okay let's make this film where I know we can't change the world even though we're like we're going to change the world and like for me I'm like I'm very um environment uh conscious and I always tell my kids you know you have to recycle there's compost you have to you need to know what goes where and you know I'm very careful about that and if my (laughs) my daughters are when they come out of school and if they see a water bottle or like glitter on the ground they're like they they'll be so loud in front of everyone they don't care to mama look somebody littered shame on them how can they destroy our earth (laughs) she's there you can probably hear her in the back back yeah she's like 
she's like I agree <laughs> right so I'm like I'm so happy right now you know yeah. I know I want to change the world but I also know that I'm raising two girls who also want the same thing so it makes me happy yeah, I know yeah. if I can't like realistically I can't change the world but it, even if I change one person um through one of my films, mm -hmm. I think I've done good. For example, with A Bloody Mess, when yeah. I, I, after the film released, I went on um, a lot of South Asian radio stations and had live conversations with people randomly calling in. And I was shocked where I thought I would get like people saying, what are you doing? You're a disgrace to our community. But it was the total opposite. You know, right. there were men calling in and they're like, thank you for making this film. You know, we want our families to talk about it. I have a daughter who just wow. got her period and she was not comfortable with me. So I told my wife, please, let's have a chat. You know, I want us to sit down. And right. then I had people calling me, random people calling me saying, okay, my, my daughter is 10. She hasn't had her period. How should I talk to her? Now that we heard you on the radio, this is really great. And then I realized it's not yeah. because families don't want to do it. They don't know how to do it. They just don't know the right yeah. way to yeah. approach their own child. And I realized, you know what, I'm so happy I made this film that I was able to start this conversation. And it wasn't the, the reason is not yes. because it's uh, something they need to be ashamed of, but it's because they don't know how to yeah. how to say, hey, so you're going to bleed tomorrow or the day after or like soon. And um, there will be a lot, a lot of blood. You'll get cramps, but it's normal. Uh, it's called a period, right? If you if I say that to yeah. my daughter, she'll yeah. be like, what? Are, what? Right? She's going to. So I think the parents are more like. <laughs> <laughs> how do I explain this to yeah. them how do I tell them that this is what's going to happen and now my both of my daughters know what a period mm -hmm. is I I you know whatever I make I show it to them and then we talk about it yeah. right so yeah. both of them know it yeah. and I'm like yes I've done my job <laughs> so I think yeah that, is that one of your daughters in superhero yeah, they're both in that there. short film yeah superhero? the lead yeah, they're both of that. The lead oh one God. is my older one, and then the one who throws um, her banana peel in the compost bin is my younger one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, it's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> my father, when he like when I was, I don't, I think I was even younger. I was like probably eleven or twelve, so I wasn't even in the vicinity of getting my period yet. And he bought me a book called The Cycling Female, and it had like a picture of a woman on like a bicycle, looking all happy. And I was like, what is this? Like, first of all, I was just so young. Like I was still in like the zone of playing with dolls as opposed to be even thinking about getting right. my period. But it was like exactly what you're talking about. Like he didn't know how to approach it. So having movies like Bloody Mess, you know, you, it's tricky, but you know, you can, you can really change the world with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I hope we were yeah. able to do that with all of our films because when I started Flyway Films, I wanted to make sure that as a company, we were always, as a production company, our mandate is always highlighting social issues, issues that affect women or things okay. that need to be changed in the world or, um, you know, anything that supports the community, supports women or supports um, diversity. That's what our mandate has always been. And every project I take on ha falls under that. So. I think mm -hmm. it is so important that, you know, like I, I always say this, that film is a medium where you can educate and entertain at the same time, right? So why not mm -hmm. use that medium to entertain and have subtle messages, 
right? Oh my God, this was such a wonderful film. I love that scene. Oh, this is so cool. Even if it's a comedy or whatever it is, you know, if you're educating people mm -hmm. through a means of entertainment, I think you've done a great job. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to do that. How's your prep for your music videos this weekend? Do you need anything? We're pretty good. It's just uh, a lot of art department stuff that we're doing last minute. So we're just trying to get everything done. Yeah. yeah. But thank you. Yes. And what are the, is there, are they, um, what are the songs? Are they, are they uh, musicians that you know? Personally? Yeah. So he's, uh, his name is Periche. He is a good friend of mine. We've known each other for over 15 years now. And uh, he's composed uh, some songs for Bollywood films as well. He composes uh, music for uh, lots of artists as well. He's a very well-known singer um, in India, in the community, but he's a local Scarborough um he he lives in Scarborough so <laughs> but he's moving to the UK next week so before that he wanted to shoot a couple of videos so we just shot two oh, yeah so I, he does a lot of work in the UK so he's uh yeah so we we wanted to do a few videos so we did four we shot two with from which one has released the other one will release next week and then the two that we're shooting now will yeah. release in the next couple of months that seems like such a great balance to like the other stuff like the bloody mess right. and the still which are heavy and challenging topics and then you get this other dichotomy <laughs> of like some music and some fun yeah it seems it really suits your your brain and your heart. I love music because I, I was a dancer. So music is like always welcome. Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing music videos. That's more of like, you know, okay, I'm going to relax and just let my creativity flow. I mean, gosh, it does feel like you put on your cape in the morning, Assis, and then you take it off at the end of the day. Maybe you don't, maybe you sleep <laughs> in it. But I like, do you ever, do you ever take a break? Like what's your, what's your downtime assis look like my downtime assis is honestly i love spending time with my kids so that's my downtime like playing uno with yeah. them yeah. and um and then just hugging them and being in bed with them like just like cuddling uh we always do family yeah. movie nights so space jam is on our next uh <laughs> is the, is next in line so hopefully nice. tonight will be family movie night like that's my downtime I love spending time with my kids and my family yeah. and then when they're at school yeah I love dancing so and I love playing basketball so I have a basketball net outside I'll just move the cars out of the driveway and I just play basketball I just love it so that's my downtime I just yeah. do things that I love oh I have to figure out a way uh, I can do a lot of crafts. I'm wondering if there's a way you can adopt me because I do bring certain skills to the table in crafts or basketball skills. Anyway, we can talk about a concept. <laughs> we should definitely play basketball. I'm always up for some basketball. Oh I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to wrap this up because honestly, I, I, I know when I met you originally, I was like, um, I was just so in awe of not only your accomplishments, but also your approach to your art, your approach to producing, your approach to like getting things done. You were like, yeah, I'm just gonna get it done. Uh, and it's the kind of leadership that you wanna be around because you know, it's infectious. You know that like, if I spend half an hour with a C's at the end of it, I'm like, I have two more project <laughs> ideas. Uh, it's just, so it's a treat not only to spend more time with you, but also to have you in the firecracker department because it's such a 
it's such a place where I feel like we can really thrive and learn from the way you live, the way you create. Oh, thank you so much, Naomi. I do have a question for you. I yeah. want to I want to ask you something. It's time yeah. for that. It's the oh question, the Naomi Seekers. Yeah. <laughs> and I know because you're like also, you're an interviewer, you're a host. So I am all for any questions coming awesome. from Awesome. I have many. Okay. <laughs> Bring so it on. First is, how do you do what you do? Oh my gosh. You have so much. What are you talking like, Wait, we just finished talking about how do you do what you do? I, I, and like, I want to know how you do it's it. It's so much. <laughs> You know, okay. the firecracker department is so fantastic um, and th there's so much. It's not just a podcast. When I Now that I'm, uh, once I joined as a core member, I realized, oh my God, this is amazing, right? So I just want to know how you do yeah. it. I think it's the same as you said. Like, first of all, I love what I get to do. I have no like hesitation in the morning, there's never a time like, oh, I have to do like firecracker stuff. I love it so much. I know that it's purposeful, like in the same way of, of flyaway films. Like I know what we're creating with, with you and with the, you know, the other team members, of course, uh, is a platform for, for change. Like I know it. I just know it. Like I knew from the very first time we had a meeting, you know, three years ago, I came away from the meeting going, oh, we're actually, this is big. This is a, the precipice of something big. And I will also say, I don't do this by myself. Like, you know, you, you have your sister. I'm sure you have a team of folks around you when you do create your films that you call upon to yeah. support you. So luckily, I like all those people too. So I never go into a meeting going, Ugh, I have to hang out with so-and-so. I'm like, oh, right on. We get to talk about this department and how we're making that department right. move forward. And I get to hang out with a really cool right. person. Uh, so it's, it's those kind of things, but then I will also say like the joy of having many plates to having plates to spin. And maybe you can connect to this is that when one plate, I don't know, not if one plate isn't like kicking along as best as I want it to, I go to the other plate. And then if that one, then I go back or I, it, so it helps me as opposed, I'm not the single focused person. Right. Like I don't just wake up in the morning going, I'm going to do one thing today. That just doesn't work for right. this brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah, you get it. I also want to ask, you know, especially in the last one, one year and a, a year and a half, we've always been talking about diversity and inclusion and um, uh -huh. all of that and how, you know, uh, diverse um, people from diverse backgrounds are not, um given as many opportunities right now being on the other side how mm -hmm. do you feel about that issue how do you feel you know i want to know your your thoughts on that as well like how yeah let me just see if i got this right but you're talking about like giving opportunities have creating more opportunities so that there is more equality represented right. but when i also so that, when I look at that as well, right, I always think, um, okay, now we're, we're getting so many opportunities within the last year, there have been, you know, mentorships and all these opportunities that mm -hmm. did arise for only BIPOC creatives. But if I, when I think about it this way, where I'm like, if I'm not belonging to a BIPOC community and I'm like, okay, so now all of a sudden everything's going on the other side. That's how I would feel. Oh, right. So I'm just thinking like all these years, I have felt that way. And now that it's all BIPOC focused, I'm like, I'm happy. 
I am genuinely happy, but I also feel that, you know, but is that fair? You know, now we're only creating opportunities for a particular group. So I, I want to know how you feel. Um, that's fantastic. I, I'll say two things. I'll say, because uh, with my producer creator hat on, I think that it is my responsibility to create partnerships where everybody feels welcome at my party. So that's my job. It was always my job. I think I was not pursuing it as aggressively and action oriented as I should have been, could have been, but I am now. So that I think is my job as like, like the, the creator and founder of Firecracker Department. I, I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want everybody, no matter how, no matter the color of the skin, no matter about their abilities physically, I just want everybody to go, oh, I, these are my people. Right. That's my ideal. As like a white artist, I see that um, opportunities are going to buy the BIPOC community. And I will... Uh, I will say that I love seeing producers and production step up and make that challenge and meet, no, and meet the challenge and make those changes. Cause um, I think it's exciting. I love like opening a magazine and seeing like, not just a bunch of white skin folks. I think that's really right. important for the sake of like the next generation looking ahead. Like, you know, it's what, like what you said about like you, the picture of you dancing. I just immediately think of like, a little South Asian kid that goes, oh, I can be joyful like that. And it's not wrong to show that. So that to me, um, it, that tr trumps any kind of like, oh, that's not fair. Cause I think it's been unfair for so long that we're balancing things out a right. little bit. So um, I, I don't know, like, um, I don't know if that answered your question. I just think that it's, it's time. This is the time for, for kindness and um, sharing of all things. So uh, the more that I, the more that I can see that, like I don't feel like Firecracker Department is um, excessively successful yet, but we're working on it, and we're not like taking a back seat on this. We're taking a front seat in the driver's uh, seat on on making sure that this these changes happen. For me, I'm a very I'm like a thinker. I think a lot. So for me, I always want to know what everyone else is thinking as well. Like if um, you know, mm -hmm. like if I'm talking about something with my kids, I, I start thinking about what are they thinking when I'm talking. So I'm always intrigued because right. I, I think oh it's gosh. the journalist in me who always wants to know how does everyone else feel about this. So that's why I'm like, I want to know. Yeah. Well, what do you think then? What's your, I mean, first of all, I, if I had kids, I would always be like, what do you right. think? They'd be like, you're driving me bonkers. But I would be like, what do you think about this? What do you think right. about this? Because I'm so intrigued by the, the developing minds. But what do you think? You said that like, you said, you used this phrase of like, how is that fair? What do you think about the world right See, now? See, for me, I feel when we just say this opportunity is only for this person, this these people and not for you. And I wasn't that position where I was just that one you where I would never get into anything. So now I almost feel like not all opportunities, but some opportunities that eliminate a group, I think is not fair for me. That's mm -hmm. my thought, but I think opportunities should be made for everyone, not just focusing on one group. It should be for everyone. But when you mm -hmm. choose your candidates for it, make sure you have a balance. 
right? You don't have to say yeah. that this is only for South Asians or only for a certain group, right? It can be for everyone. But when you choose your candidates, mm -hmm. just make sure you balance them out, right? You have one from, mm -hmm. you know, from every community or something. That's how I look at it for yeah. me. I, I, I see that. I agree. Like, I love, I love so much when I see like where there's a great diversity represented. Yeah. I love seeing that in the same way that I hate so much when I see a billboard that's just like a bunch of white guys. I'm like, what? 2021 how is this still happening yeah and I will say like I do feel like organizations like um BIPOC TV and film who are supporting the BIPOC community within the television and um, film community I I see the importance of shining a light and um, encouraging that generation of BIPOC community that might not have had that kind of encouragement right. so it might need to just be at a place right now where we're like you know what, let's do some specific like cheerleading right. on like the roles <laughs> of different folks for now, because it hasn't yeah. been that way. And so what's happened is that, you know, you've got great experience because you've taken those opportunities and created those opportunities because like we haven't taken that initiative. So now we're saying to producers, we're saying to executives, actually, you have to do it now. Right. Otherwise, you're going to get people that aren't as experienced. So we need to get folks having the same amount of experience that like the, the white population have yeah. had. Um, so I think it has to, I need. I think the pendulum needs to swing for right. a little while. We'll come back. Nice. Yeah. Well, hopefully in a, a year or so, we'll have opportunities, which is for everyone and anyone and everyone can yeah. be part of it. And when we look at the final you know, like that poster where all the photos are and it's diversified, right? It's not just one community mm -hmm. or uh, two communities, but every person from every community is on that poster. So I think if it's mm -hmm. done naturally, mm -hmm. rather than saying um, BIPOC focused or South Asian focused, I think if it's just a generic, mm -hmm. you know, anyone and everyone can apply and anyone and everyone is eligible. I think that would be so that, you know, it's, it comes naturally. It's not something that's forced. Mm -hmm. That that's that's my only thing with it. I just want it to be a natural process where anyone and everyone is welcome. Almost just like how firecracker department yeah. is, right? When even during our brunch, it's anyone and everyone. We're all like a family mm -hmm. that comes together, and that's the best part of it. Yeah. So I just wished everyone, uh, all the organizations or or especially funding organizations would think about that <laughs> or mentorship or yeah no it's interesting though like what you're saying like like you want it to be not forced I just think we tried that yeah. and it didn't work <laughs> and it yeah. didn't really work so actually right now, now we have to challenge people right. in the same way like you know the 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 representation of female or non-binary um directors right. in our community is outrageous and so there had to be like something that stipulated 50 percent right. yeah actually 50%. And so that's the first time that maybe that people are like, Oh, yeah, we have to. So I think I think that it has to be challenged a bit. Until I agree. It becomes yeah, normalized, I think but, um, I'm, I mean, I'm so happy I'm this happened, it. because that is the only way I got some opportunities as well, or else I, I don't think I would have, right. Yeah. So I'm really glad that happened. But when I look at it, I'm like, yeah. I wished, you know, it wasn't that way. It was just normal, right? It was considered normal. So that's, that's yeah. like, I think it's just a um, I, I always overthink a lot yeah. of things. So for me, it's like everything needs to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Everyone just, you know, be happy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think we'll get there. Yeah. I think we'll get there. I just think we have to, um, you know, like when you talk about with firecracker department brunches and things like that, like, I think what my old idea was is like, hey, everyone's welcome. Of course, everyone's welcome. I just, it goes without saying. But now the new version of my thinking is that I actually have to be active in creating spaces that are more welcoming. Right. Do you know what I mean? So like, like it's one say, one thing saying, hey, come on in, everybody's welcome. And, and actually going like pursuing people that I see that are in the arts and are representations from the South Asian and BIPOC community and saying, wow, you're super talented. Please come into this group. You're, you're so right. talented and you're welcome to join and be active about that as opposed to passive. That's, that's my, that's what I've been learning a lot awesome. this year. All right. Wrap up questions. Here we go. Uh, fill in the blank. To me, a firecracker is. To me, a firecracker is a person who not just helps everyone, but also her or himself, but also thinks about themselves as Love well. It. Love it. Yeah. 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 Well, that's you. Uh, what do you want to be best known for, Assis? For a person who did everything that brought a change to the society. So something positive, like leaving a positive mark. Okay, you know, like mm -hmm. for example, menstruation that we talk about, right? Um, if I have been able to help even two people or two families, I think I've done my job. So just mm -hmm. being a person who is approachable as well, who you can go to for anything you need mm -hmm. any help you need and just a person who was happy as well mm -hmm. I love it um if this was a movie if your life was a movie what has been one of the turning points where like a fork in the road where you decided to go left instead of right lots of things oh my god I think my whole life has been a movie <laughs> moving around mm -hmm. from countries to countries I never wanted to that. but I always ended up yeah <laughs> like I think my career as well I wanted to be behind the camera I ended up in front of the camera I had no choice I'm like it came yeah. to me I'm like okay fine I'll do it <laughs> right so I think a lot of things have just been that way and that's why I ended up here which is great <laughs> yeah yeah. What, uh, what's something that people don't know about you? That I'm a very weird, fun <laughs> person who does like weird ass things <laughs> that only my sister yeah. and my parents and my family know. They're like, everyone thinks I'm this quiet person who's very nice and stuff. But as soon as the camera's turned off, I'm like, yeah, let's party. You know, like I'll be the <laughs> one jumping on that. the sofa. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. I see that entirely. What's something that you haven't done yet, but you know, you have to do. I want to go skydiving. I haven't done that yet. I've been waiting. I want to mm -hmm. do it with my daughters so I'm just waiting a few more years <laughs> till they get older oh my gosh I can't wait to see those pictures um what has been either the worst advice you've ever gotten or the best advice you've ever gotten the best advice I've gotten is always from my parents they have always told me do things that will make you happy if it doesn't make you happy let it go mm-hmm Mm -hmm. um what uh, where do you find your power 
I find my power in my sister and my parents mm-hmm. and my family and uh, my daughters, my husband. I think I find power looking at powerful women in the world. When I say powerful, mm-hmm. doesn't mean like rich or powerful women like Malala or, you know, like women who will do anything. They'll risk their lives to make sure that the future is secure for women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, who's a firecracker in your world? My sister and my yes. mom and so many others like uh, what's your mom's, Daisy. What's your mom's name? Daman. Damanjeet. Daman. Damanjeet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can see that you you three are unstoppable. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, what uh, what's advice advice you would have given to your younger Assis? Stop thinking about everyone else. Make yourself happy first. Think about yourself first, because if you're not happy yourself, how are you going to keep others happy? So think, mm-hmm. put yourself first and then everyone else. That's so interesting. I love it. I mean, that's not an easy thing when you watch your parents that sacrifice so much for, for you and then be right. like, okay. But it must have brought them a lot of happiness too. Like, I don't think that they did it without feeling joy from it. Right. They, they were and they yeah. always say that they're like we're happy with every decision we made so I'm like oh I'm glad you're happy <laughs> yeah oh well I so love talking to you Assis I was so thrilled to see like this on the calendar because I was like I want to catch up with you so it killed a bunch of birds with one stone but, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm so grateful and happy for this time together though No, thank you, Naomi. This was so wonderful. And thank you, Winnie, for organizing it. Thank you, guys. I really enjoyed this. And thank you. Thank you so much for your contributions to the firecracker department, too. Like, I know we're just getting started, but I am really, I mean, I think this, we need to take another conversation where we talk about your projects and how we can infuse them with some firecracker department, because I'm so excited about finding ways that we can work together. Yay, me too. That's amazing. I love being part of the firecracker yeah. department. You're, this community is so fantastic. They're so supportive of each other. They're so helpful. You know, they're always there for each other. And it's so nice to see that there's a community that you can just feel so comfortable in. And I love being part of it. Good. Yeah. Love it. Ah, uh, Aziz. I mean... Just a delight. I have to say, Assis is one of the newer core members in Firecracker Department. And so I was particularly excited to speak with Assis because it's also an opportunity for me to get to know our core members. And uh, I sure love that. I love that we're doing this whole chapter of Firecracker Department core member interviews so that you can get to know the folks that bring you Firecracker Department because this team, it's unlike anything else I have ever been part of. Now, you can follow Assis on Twitter at A-S-I-S-S-E-T-H-I, that's Assis Sethi, or on Instagram at Assis.Sethi. Her websites, AssisSethi.com and FlyAwayFilms.ca, have all her upcoming project information, like her newest short titled Still, which is, again, an amazing piece of work she's doing. Uh, it's a film about stillbirth and... Um, Again, she chooses these topics that need to be discussed. It's so, so great. It's going to be having its release in November of 2021, so keep your eye out for that. Also, Future Superheroes, a series of short films for children, and that's going to be released December 2021. 
And, oh my gosh, right? Is your head spinning? Because she just has so much going on. Mine is. And Rock the Cradle, a short film talking about postpartum depression, and that'll be releasing in early 2022. Okay, you've got a lot of us to look forward to, and all those links, because we care, and thanks to Sydney Nielsen, will be in our show notes so you can follow up and you can follow Assis and all the amazing work she's doing. You can also follow Assis at Fly Away Films Inc. to catch the updates on your social feeds. And of course, we'll also link to Assis's magazine, right? She has a magazine as well. I'm yelling. I don't mean to yell, but she's got a lot going on. She has a magazine and you can follow that on Instagram at Bollywood Film Fame Canada and on Twitter at BFFC Meg. And Firecracker Department was featured on a past issue of Bollywood Film Fame Canada with our very own Farah Marani. So go back into the archives for that one because that was a fantastic article. Remember, you can watch Assis's work on realwomensnetwork.com slash Assis-Sati anytime. And while you're there, you can check out all the other featured firecrackers on that platform, like Farah Marani, like Emily Churchill, Tina Huang, and so many more. We have this great partnership with those folks, and we shine a light on a different firecracker every month through that platform. So watch out for announcements on next month's Spotlight, and keep in touch with all the great content that is coming out on that platform. Little spoiler alert, you're going to want to keep in touch for next week's Firecracker Department. I had such a great chat with this firecracker, Marina Cordoni. I'm leaning towards the microphone like I'm whispering into your ear. That conversation rocked my world. All right. Go on out there, take some creative action. If you're feeling like you're in a slump, reach out to another firecracker. Get your tank full. If your tank's already full, spread the love. Give us some firecracker shout outs. Thanks so much for joining me and the rest of the firecracker department team. We'll see you next time. Winnie Wong is our firecracker head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong eight on Twitter. Sydney Nielsen is our co-producer and head editor. You can follow them at Sydney underscore Nielsen. Sydney, like Australia, Nielsen, like milk. This episode was edited for you by Jordan Giddens, who you can follow at Jordan Giddens. That's Jordan with a Y. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. Get into the full Firecracker Department core team at firecrackerdepartment.com slash about because we're always updating and we're always growing. Stay tuned to our newsletter for advanced updates on our monthly meditations, upcoming mentorship workshops, live script department readings, festival partnerships, weekly writing workouts, and dates for 2021, and so much more. There's lots going on in Firecracker Department. Now, whether you're a first time or a long time listener to the Firecracker Department, we always, always want to hear from you. We love hearing what quotes, the specifics, the nuances of things that stuck with you. We mean it. We really do. And we respond to every single thing that comes our way. If it gives your brain goosebumps or it piques your curiosity or it makes you want to stop and write something down, send it back to us or our Firecracker guest or both. I mean, everybody likes to know that when they put something out into the world, that it resonates. And if it sparks something in you, use that creativity to take some creative action. Share it because it just reverberates, you know? If you see somebody being creative, that might spark somebody else's creativity. So pay it forward. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music. And thanks to you. Yeah, you. Sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there, and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time.